Take it from me, being an entrepreneur and a small business owner can be difficult. The government expects you to know accounting, payroll, and taxes. Fortunately, there's people out there, like our next guest, that can help. Coming up next on the Student of Money Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Student of Money Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Niemeyer. The mission of Student of Money is to connect listeners like you to a community of like-minded individuals to help you achieve your goal of financial freedom through entrepreneurship, investing, real estate, and personal development. This is episode 42. All right, guys, on this week's podcast, we've got Terry Little of Oak Financial. Terry helps small business owners and entrepreneurs start a new business. She helps with accounting, payroll, taxes, and all of those other operational type activities that you need to be successful so that you can work on your business and not in your business. So here we go. Terry Little, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, uh, we've known each other for a while, but you actually reached out to me probably a couple of months ago and uh, you were looking at potentially buying a business and now you're looking at real estate. So we've been talking off and on, but for the listeners out there that don't know who you are and maybe don't have your background, could you just tell me a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, I uh, have done a lot of different things in my professional career from testing software to working for an advertising agency and before I, last job before I started my business was um, the director of finance and operations for a law firm and uh, worked at that law firm. They're actually a client of mine since I started my own business, um, worked there for about 15 years and then decided that uh, I thought I could maybe do just what I enjoyed about that job in a business of my own rather than all of the other duties as assigned. And um, so started my own business in 2015 and focusing on bookkeeping, accounting services. Um, I do business management as far as helping people get set up as an entity or insurance audits. I've set up VoIP phone systems. I do a little bit of what I call IT translation. I don't do IT, but I know people who do, and I can like translate from Spanish to English and English back to Spanish, if you will. Um, and so I fill in that gap and, and look into things that way. So that's predominantly my services. And uh, the pandemic kind of helped because I'm pretty remote now. And I've found a lot of efficiencies. I Most of my clients are remote access. And so I found a lot of efficiencies through that. Made a lot of available time. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. The, the being able to, being able to work remotely. And obviously this is through a Zoom call. So it's, it's really, uh, I think it's here to stay and you can be in contact with so many more people. So our, our, the majority of your clients in Eastern Iowa or local or because you're, have you expanded beyond that market because it's more remote now or? 
I actually have. I have a uh, client out of Kentucky. And so, yeah, just they put an ad on Facebook and I answered it. And they use an online accounting program and I'm familiar with the program. So I fill in a lot of gaps and they do, they like to do all of their, I'm going to say deposits and payables out of there. So they know what cash is coming and going. And I essentially just keep the books current with what they're doing and answer questions if they have them. Yeah. Accounting was one of those things that you know, I was never trained in. I never, I'm an, I'm an engineer. I'm an IT guy. So I was Microsoft and Cisco certified and really didn't have those skill sets. And I really struggled with it when I started my business, went out on my own, because not only are you responsible for growing the business and developing, adding customers and doing the things that brings money in, but you also have all of those responsibilities of the accounting, the banking, compliance issues, working with the government. If you have employees, you have payroll, and you have to learn all about that. So it was all new to me, and I really should have found someone like you to help me with my books and do those things. I, I, you know, I always tell the story that I went four years with not filing my income taxes, which is a long time, and, and it, you know, it's going to get me in trouble. So luckily the, the government owed me money. So I ended up getting a check by the time I, I did four years of taxes, but it, it was a real struggle. And now I'm, I'm really proficient at it just because I've been doing it for so long and it's kind of trial by fire. Um, but, you know, I could see where your services would be extremely valuable. I know I used to go to a family friend that uh, did ran an auto mechanic shop, but he didn't do his books. Somebody just came in like once a week and and did the receipts and the book work and all of the accounting for them. And I think my locksmith is like that, you know, all these small businesses, because that's not their forte. And with the tax laws and the codes, and if you have, especially if you have employees, you really need to have someone like yourself there to, to do that work and, and, and to advise, right? You're essentially an advisor to their business as well. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And even people who are predominantly using subcontractors and they come to the end of the year and they need to issue a 1099, but they didn't do their due diligence and gather all of the information that they needed to when they were paying them and they've already paid them. So all of their leverage is gone. And now they're attempting to, you know, argue that, oh, I should still be able to deduct this as a qualifying expense. And I'm like, not exactly how it works. Um, and so, yes, absolutely. But I have most of my remote clients, I only have two in-person clients, but most of my remote clients that are smaller entities, like gather up all their stuff. And at the end of the month, they drop it off. And the beginning of the following month, I update everything, gather everything, update QuickBooks, and they have they have access to their QuickBooks. And can go look at any time and sales tax and all of those things that people are dealing with that it's amazing the different number of hoops that you need to jump through to run the business between federal withholding and state withholding and state unemployment insurance and sales tax and use tax and it's it's a lot to expect out of somebody who's like hey I just enjoyed doing this landscaping or, you know, 
cleaning service or a mechanic or whatever their their enjoyment is and now all of a sudden there's all this stuff and and nobody ever says accounting was really fun ever <laughs> there's people that do enjoy it there are the bean counters of the world that really love it and and i've learned to love it just because i know it's so integral to the success of my business and to my real estate and and i do but again i have that engineering mentality which is a very detailed scientific, I guess, you know, a lot of math. So engineers probably make good for those types of things, uh, but it's so integral. And I always say, you know, I make management decisions based on my numbers and, and that's the same with real estate. And that's when I'm looking at a deal, it's basically a math, it's a math exercise. It's an Excel spreadsheet. So to me, it's not a big deal to analyze a property or to, look at if I need to make changes or what's the performance, what's the occupancy. Uh, and it's all simple stuff. And of course, my accounting system is all in the cloud online. I can access it from my phone. I can access it from my computer. Someone else like yourself could remotely access it if I gave permissions. So, you know, having that online is valuable. So how was your transition from being an, you know, you went from an e-employee, right? The rich dad cash flow quadrant from e-employee down to, you know, S small business. And then you're helping out other small business owners. And then we've talked about how do we move over to the right side to be a big business owner where you're using essentially other people's time or as an investor, where you are using other people's money uh, because that S quadrant is, S stands for small business. It stands for self-employed. A lot of times that is the S for smart people. That's a smart people business um, like yourself, where you're talking about accounting, where, you know, you're considered the smart person. We need to get that professional on it, on our team. And, but you made that transition from being an employee at a law firm and then going into, I'm going to start. So, you know, now that you've started your own business and now that you've helping other business owners, you know, tell me about that. How did it, how, how did that go for you? So I really, my role at the law firm was really running the business and not that there weren't a lot of people on the team. I don't mean that at all, but there weren't a lot of things that I needed the ultimate partner's decision on. And so I was like, I, I kind of got a pretty long history of experience Granted, it wasn't my skin in the game, but when it came time to make that transition, I felt like I was well situated and I'd had quite a bit of experience. There, don't get me wrong, there are many things that as I did it, I was like, that was kind of a waste of money or that was a waste <laughs> of time and uh, was really, you know, moved on from there. But I mean, for the most part, it was, and then just building the clientele. I'm going from an employee, and yes, I was doing accounting there, and I was doing management services there, but that isn't what that company did. So it's not like I had clients that I could take along with me. I didn't. Yeah. I started out just going out and having coffee with people that I knew in the community and said, I'm leaving the law firm and this is what I'm doing now. Right. Yeah. And it's so. a, it's a, it's a change of, it's a change of mindset. Uh, 
because you know the fundamentals of the business is you're probably doing exactly what you were doing for the law firm, but now you're doing it for other people. You're starting your own business, but then it also a lot you have to expand your skill sets. Now you're getting into sales. Now you're getting into acquiring uh, clients and dealing with clients and their particular needs and wants. And then, you know, you're taking a look at pricing and you're taking a look at, uh, you know, now I'm not on a paycheck, right? So that's the biggest issue of all is cash management. And that took me decades to really deal with uh, dealing with the fluctuations in cash flow and cash management as an entrepreneur, because now you're an entrepreneur. And, yeah. and, you know, the, there really isn't, was there a system? Was there, it's not like you're buying a franchise business that they're like, well, here's our system. You're kind of, and that's the difference really between an entrepreneur versus a business owner that maybe buys a franchise is, is that system's already in place. So I really don't consider people that get into the franchising world a true entrepreneur because they're not building systems for themselves. You're really building this out and building everything from the ground up, which can be difficult and challenging and, and emotional and all of these other things that happens. But, you know, I think you've been doing it for how long now? Eight years. Eight years. Yeah. So, you know, you're, I would think you're over your hump, right? You're over the, you're, would you, would you ever consider going back to an employer? I don't think I would consider going back to an employer. No. Um, just, I like to be able to set my own schedule, but I would, I would say that it wasn't everything that I was expecting. I was, I just thought this was going to be the most flexible, best thing that ever happened. <laughs> Nobody was going to be upset if I didn't show up at eight o'clock every morning because, right? Like if I wanted to come in at 8.30, that would be fine. But uh, <laughs> I found that not to be exactly the case. I think Yes. Yes. Because, you know, if you don't, if you don't work, uh, there's still no money. You're still trading time for money uh in, in that environment so if you don't work and so you know you're not the money's not coming in um absolutely and there's also the expectation of clients when you get involved yeah. with choir and you agree to provide services for somebody oftentimes that decision is made over a short period of time you may have one two three meetings with them but overall it's you know let's say it's made in less than eight hours of time together so you don't really know each other super well and then you find out that this person is you know military about their time and 905 is not nine o'clock and or whatever may be the case and you got to balance those expectations with you know your desire or needs as a as an entrepreneur or as a oh. self-employed person to say hey i'm you know part of the reason that i'm doing this and you know, paying the additional tax and running my own joint is to make my own decisions. And maybe we aren't the right fit for one another or how can I make this work? Yeah. Yeah. And, and as an outside consultant, essentially you have to be better than anyone that they could bring in in house in order to justify so that's, that's the environment I was in as I was a consultant. So I was on a billable hour and I was in these Fortune 500 companies and my supervisors, I distinctively remember telling, you know, them telling us as a, as a young, early 20 year old consultant, 
don't get wrapped up with the employees that are there when they go take breaks. That doesn't mean you take a break with them. You know, you have to work harder than they do and you have to be more professional and you are, you are our eyes and ears inside that organization for their, what their wants and needs are. And, and so it, it's, it's a different mentality when you're, or maybe a high paid contractor in those environments that, you know, you can't get part of the good old boys clubs, part of the expression. You can't be comfortable uh, when you're when you're an outside consultant or an inside consultant like I was, where I'm reporting to that employer day in and day out, uh, but it's on a short term contract. And, and so I have to continue to prove myself every single day. And so now as a business owner, I'm always making sure that I'm over promising or under promising and over delivering. You never want to over promise and under deliver, right? So you always want to be able to meet their expectations and provide them the value that they're, that they're paying for and build, build that reputation. And you're right. And then, and then when I first got interviewed, it's like, Hey, everybody always looks great at the interview. We really don't know if you're a good employee or a contractor until we actually hire you. Right. And get some time under our belt. So I think that's kind of what you're alluding to there is uh, you got to get past that honeymoon and, and where you're working with them day in and day out to make sure that it's still a fit. Um, so, so let's change gears a little bit because I think I'm seeing this entrepreneur, I'm seeing somebody that's going from maybe a corporate environment to starting their own business and still having professional clients and things of that sort. But there was maybe something that a light that came on or a switch where you said, you know, I might want to start looking at buying businesses or I might want to start looking at real estate or doing something more to uh, subsidize not only my cash flow, but maybe my retirement. So let's talk about that. So absolutely. Kind of, if you will, got bit by the bug, the entrepreneurial bug. Um, and when you and I met, I was looking at buying a franchise. Um, even before that, I had started efforts to develop an online program that would essentially efficiency down a particular effort that goes on at law firms. And so I was going to code, have this coded, I don't do code, but have it written and then sell the program. Um, and uh, that's partially completed. I kind of let that go by the wayside. Tax season tends to screw everything up. Um, and, and which, yeah. is, which is exactly why we're having this Zoom meeting at eight o'clock at night. <laughs> right, exactly. Where I'm like, yeah. So, um, so I looked at the franchise. The franchise looked like something that I was very much interested in doing. And then um, that didn't end up working out. Someone already owned the franchise. My apologies. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Somebody already owned the franchise and they were looking to sell it. I just wasn't interested in making that investment. And uh, so moved on from there. Um, really what led up to that was a couple of things. One, feeling the need to diversify. Two, feeling like I was exchanging uh, an hour for a dollar and wanting to have something that was a little bit more a leverage situation. And um, so when that didn't really look, pan out, I was like, looked around a little bit more for other things that would fit, didn't come up with anything, and then just decided that 
real estate was something that maybe I could do. And, and as far as investing, not like, you're not going to be a realtor. Um, <laughs> but from an investing standpoint, and I had purchased, um, three years ago, I had bought a building for my business. And so I purchased some real estate outside of a primary residence and was looking to remodel it after I bought the building for my business and was looking to remodel it. And that didn't really go the way that I wanted to. I needed to know more about the buying of real estate than I did at the time. It would not appraise for what I wanted to do to it. So, um, and it was originally uh, residential special use and I had it rezoned to commercial, but then couldn't qualify for an appraisal that would allow me to do everything I needed to do to the building to make it commercial property. And so if I wanted to put all the cash in, I could, but it literally was only appraising for about 20K more than I paid for it. And I needed to put about 75 into it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and when and when as you as you start to find what your niche is and and you get you get those experiences you're going to be able to see that value after you've learned it right you'll be able to like go to the next deal and so that first deal sometimes you especially if you're doing what you're doing where you may be rezoning or doing something like you know I want to do development well I'm pretty new to development I've I I don't know enough so the first deal I'm going to be leaning pretty heavy on developers and contractors and things of that sort until I get that knowledge and feel more comfortable moving forward with it. And, um, but you know, you'll get there and, and, and I, and I like the whole, <clears throat> the entrepreneurial with the, with the, with the franchise too, because I I've looked at franchises. I just recently looked at a franchise business in Des Moines and went through the numbers and, talk to the previous owner. And I, and then I had to talk to the franchise company because they had to approve me and accept me. Right. right. If I was going to do it. And <clears throat> I'm always looking for passive stuff that I don't have to actively be involved in. And that was a big deal to them because a lot of the franchise franchisees want a, an owner working within the franchise. They don't want an right. owner that's not working in, in the bas business on a daily basis. And, and ultimately I decided to, um, it was a cheap franchise from my, from my standpoint. And, but it was going to require too much of my personal time. And then also, um, I felt like I was just selling the franchise product that I wasn't able to create value or do things outside of the franchise. And I was basically just a sales agent you know, with the commissions and things of that sort. So that wasn't a passive enough. It was too dependent on a lot of sales staff and employees and the overhead. So I, and, and of course the industry. So, you know, franchises, I think are, you know, you, you can do it and there's ways to, you know, I love the franchises that are maybe the laundries and the car washes and some of the, the more passive type ones, but uh, like, I'm not going to buy a McDonald's or do anything like that where you have employees and staff and you have to deal with those types of situations. So, but there's tons and tons. There's literally a franchise for just about everything out there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and and I'm not and and I love businesses. So businesses are just as can be just as lucrative as real estate. So you know, it, I'm, I'm I'm even though I'm more of a real estate guy, I I a 
real estate is really just a business from a, from an accounting and a book standpoint. It's got special rules and special laws and things of that sort. But ultimately, at the end of the day, just like everything else, um, it, it's a business that provides cash um, and and has all of the other benefits, tax benefits. So, you know, I don't care if you do look at businesses versus real estate, or if you want to go real estate or whatever the case may be, um, they're, they're both will get you over to the right side of the quadrant and, and make you a business owner versus having to be trading your dollar, your time for dollars on the left side of the quadrant. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so you looked at the one franchise that didn't work out and now, you know, you've looked at some real estate deals. So tell me, tell me about uh, some of the deals that you've looked at and put in offers. And So I put in a total of four offers. Um, so of the four, three of them were standard MLS listings. They were, two of them were habitable the way they were, one of them was going to have to have some pretty major renovations, but it was priced accordingly. And all three times outbid. The fourth one was a foreclosure, also on the MLS. And I had put in a bid and they went with someone else and that person fell through. They came back to me and said, put in your top dollar. And I'm like, what, you didn't like the last bid? I don't understand. And uh, so did that and they accepted my offer, but their terms were not something I could pull off. They wanted to close in 30 days. And it just, with what I had going on and the status of the property, because it was a foreclosure, there weren't any utilities, I couldn't, I'd have to have all the utilities turned on before I could do the inspection. I needed to have my construction estimate together and I had it, but I wanted to get some more solid numbers on certain things. And it just, I couldn't turn it around in 30 days. So I withdrew my offer. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I still say, what do we talk about? We talked about look at a hundred, right? The Robert Kiyosaki number, look at a hundred, put offers on 10, buy one. Um, and, and it's just having to rinse and repeat and doing that and then trying to uh, um, stay positive and, and all those fun things. So it, it's, it's, it's a learning experience, just like, just like with your business, when you first started your business, having to um, uh, say, oh, it didn't go quite like I thought it would. I've got to do this, this, and this, and this. And um, it, it, it'll, it'll definitely happen. So Pretty soon, all of a sudden, you're gaining experience on each one of these deals, and and one of them's one of them's it's going to happen, and it'll probably be fairly soon. So I'm pretty confident. Um, I, I I just the the one thing that when we've been looking at is is you have a different eye than I do. You're looking at properties that are maybe a little little um, that that you're particularly aiming towards that are would be something different than than what I would do. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm keeping my eyes, but that's good too, because now I'm seeing, I'm seeing opportunities that I didn't look at before. I just talked to someone, I just talked to someone this morning that wants to do uh, like suites, commercial suites, like those garage doors for like 
the heating and cooling guys and things of that sort. And we drove around town just looking at them and trying to get comps and trying to, and again, this is a, this is an area that it's something that I have not really looked at or considered. And he's seriously, he's going to pull the trigger and do it. And um, um, so again, I, whatever you look at is what you start to see or whatever you want to look for. So um, you know, I've been looking and uh, shopping for uh, Ford Explorer. So I've been like looking at seeing Ford Explorers everywhere. It's like whatever you want to look for, you're going to find it eventually. So I think it'll definitely happen. So, you know, re refresh me again on exactly. So you mean you touched on it, but just briefly on you just felt like you needed to do something different or you needed to have something that was outside of trading your dollars or your hours for dollars? I think that's uh, actually what I was looking for to be a little bit different is one, um, both of my children have bought houses and moved out and I haven't been this rich since the eighties. <laughs> so um, that is one thing I have some cash that I want to put to work for me. So that was part of the driving force. Um, I just recently bought a new primary residence and sold my previous primary residence that I had held for 21 years. And so was able to make quite a bit of money on the sale of that home. And so have this cash that I wanted to put to work for me. That's part of it. Some of it is I've now gained enough clientele that... I have a good schedule going and I have some periods of time that I'm free um, and have some free time. Really enjoyed remodeling my primary residence before I sold it. That was a lot of fun. Um, see a lot of efficiencies that could be gained through remodeling construction. There's a lot of downtime. It's, you know, it's like, road work only behind closed doors mm -hmm. and so thinking that I could you know help with that or I could impact that if it was my own and um so that really was part of it I like to be busy I like to work I don't have a lot of hobbies work is mm -hmm. a hobby in my mind so yeah I mean you're you're busy for sure especially this time of the year with tax season so um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still looking for that reason on why, uh, and I think you had talked about it to me about the little, little more, little more retirement type money and, and, and having, and having investments. And, and my, my curiosity with you is, is obviously from your accounting standpoint and from a bookkeeping standpoint, because you've probably noticed in a lot of my talks and pitches, we go into the accounting, we go into the books, we go into the depreciation schedules, um, things of that sort on why real estate, I believe, is one of the best vehicles out there. And and it, it builds and it's a wealth builder. And the, the numbers we gave last time were the median uh, net worth for a 50-year-old was about $178,000. And the you know, 401ks probably not the, not going to get you there. And, uh, you know, when they're the sold this whole advice of financial planners that, you know, your home is your biggest asset. And, and it's like, well, your home is 
technically it's on the asset column on your personal financial statement, but the mortgage is on the bank's asset column and you have to live in it and it doesn't spit off cash. So when you look at investment real estate, it actually puts money back in your pot, in your pocket and it's much more passive. And um, I guess when we talked about the franchise business as well is you were looking to have to hire a lot of that out so that it was more of a passive investment, correct? That's absolutely true. I was intending to hire 95% of it out and, and granted I would do the books. That would seem silly, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but other than that, I think really this was absolutely equity, but I think the tax implication of, of going into real estate, because I wouldn't have gotten that with the franchise. The franchise was just going to be another, you know, self-employed situation where I was responsible for everything, even though I would have a larger staff in that entity. Um, but the real estate investing is definitely the positive tax implication from purchasing a non-primary residence and having that cash flow without without question, but also having that depreciation to use over other earnings, over other things. So that really was what that was. That became way more appealing than mastering the tax or mastering the stock market. I mean, yeah. I could have done that, but didn't. I, and I guess I would push back and say, can you truly master the stock market? If, you know, even Warren Buffett hasn't mastered the stock market. And, uh, you know, if he can't do it, I, if, uh, I don't know who can. If the Oracle of Omaha can't master the stock market, <laughs> I don't know it if it's possible. Me. No, it won't be me. That's for sure. <laughs> I agree with you there. But at this point, my knowledge base was nothing. So it was going to be an exponential learning experience for sure. Right. Right. Awesome. Well, yeah, I know it's definitely something that, uh, you, you know, you it, you keep pulling the trigger on these deals. One of them's going to happen because that's just the way it's just the way the world works. So you're putting in your time and, and uh, somebody, I think I had heard somewhere, once you get to 10,000 hours on something, you're an expert. And which I think is about, I think they said is like 10 years of a part-time job or something like that. And uh, I saw that, I read it on a podcast or something like that. Um, and, and so everybody's trying to reach, and I think it's about right. When you get to about 10,000 10, hours of whatever you do, you can kind of consider yourself the resident expert and, and uh, that sounds about right from, from what I'm doing. So I always worry about, they keep talking about small businesses of fail that what's the statistics four out of five or something like that fail within the first three years. And yeah. so if you can get, if you can get into years four and five and you haven't, and, and you haven't uh, totally lost it yet, you know, you can, now that I've been doing this for real estate for over 15 and entrepreneurship for over 20 you know, I, I, I can't go back to uh, an employer. That's just never going to happen and there's no need for it. But uh, I'm unemployable at this point in time. And I love helping other people become unemployable and, and, and not have to work for someone else. And, uh, you know, you can still work hard and still be on a schedule. But uh, at any moment, you, you dictate that and no one's, um, you know, I've tried over and over time to try to fire myself from my job. 
because of the mistakes that I've made, but you know, I, I can't do it. So I'm, I'm still actively employed in my own family business, which is great. So, but you know, again, I still need, and, and business owners need people like you to uh, that if they don't want to do the accounting, if they don't want to do the book works, if they don't want, if they need some um, business management con, you know, consulting or advice, uh, you know, that's why they need your services, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the best part of an arrangement like I have with my clients is it's fractional. I do some, I do everything for some people. I do just a small portion, manage the books. They do all the check writing, all the depositing, all of the, you know, some people, I have a couple of clients that, they have a person full-time on staff that is managing their office and I answer questions and do bank reconciliations. It's incredibly fractional. Yeah. And it's really that level of involvement can be adjusted to, even if it's seasonally, let's say you're really busy and during the summer and you can't keep up, but you're slower in the winter or, you know, I, think of people who landscape and this winter we didn't have a whole lot of snow and ice there were some but not a ton so a lot of them got caught up on their books and wouldn't have needed a lot of support but if it had been yeah. a heavy winter what what vertical industries do you i mean everybody needs accounting that's the same thing with it everybody that's why i love it and, and accounting is every business literally needs that skill set but are, do you find yourself uh, working primarily in specific vertical markets? Well, obviously I had a lot of experience in the legal field. So that was, I work with my previous employer and then also work with another law firm. Um, coincidentally, attorneys are incredibly paranoid. And <laughs> so they don't all collect up in a barrel like you would think. Um <laughs> So, but I have three construction companies, one commercial, one development, and one renovation, and then a smattering of service industries, um, a guy who sells oh. some products at Home Depot. Um, it's so inventory, yeah. asset management, I mean, lots of different things that... You know, I've been through, I've had a couple of clients who were able to work with me fractionally at the onset of their business. And then as their business grew, mm -hmm. I helped them interview and hire an appropriate person to put on staff full time. Um, so I've done it a lot of different ways. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. I think that's a good place to kind of wrap up. Uh, is there anything that you want to tell our audience that we haven't talked about? I'll put you on the spot here for a minute. <laughs> not that I can think of. I'm not that I can think of. If you've got something that's rolling around that you think you might want to do as a, as a side hustle or even as a replacement income, you know, it's a, an email or a coffee meeting, I've met with, I'll meet people for coffee or whatever, lunch. I don't drink coffee, but I'll meet you for coffee. Yeah. Um, and uh, talk it over, talk about what the next steps would be. Usually people's, you know, eyes glaze over and, you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. So what's your, how, how do we get a hold of you? What's your contact information? What's the business name? Uh, so the business name is Oak Financial and Management Services. Uh, my phone numbers uh, are my website. It's 319-310-2883. And my email address is tlittle at oakfms.com. All right. Awesome. Yeah. As I said, I'm really interested in what you're doing because you have that accounting background and, and you're running your own business and you're helping other small business owners with their businesses grow it. But you're also seeing the value of going out and looking at real estate, building your wealth, and uh, it's going to happen. So we've been working for a short amount of time and uh, I think it's definitely going to um, uh, take off and you're going to get in one of these opportunities uh, and then you may like it more and more and want to get more and more into it because I have a feeling you're kind of a hands-on person and you kind of like these uh, rehabs and you have, like I said, you have that particular eye for maybe some of these, uh, what you call them, maybe the, the cute houses or the, 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 the that look. Yep. <laughs> the cottage, absolutely. Cot- yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Cottage houses. And yep. One of my offers was uh, $25,000 for a house. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And we're, we're in the Midwest. So, I mean, that's, yep. you know, if this, yeah. So it everything's needed some help. Needed some help. So, yep. Yep. But uh, that sounds good. So, um, I think we'll call her quits here for today. And thank you for coming on the show. I think you had a lot of great information. You have a great story. And I think when we check back with you, you're going to be uh, into a couple projects and we're going to follow back up and see how those are going, if that's okay. Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. All right. Thank great. you, Terry. Thanks for coming on the show and we'll talk to you next time. Wonderful. Thank you. All right, guys, what did you think of our interview with Terry Little? I really like the idea that Terry's helping other business owners and entrepreneurs with their business, but then she's also trying to get from earned income over to passive income through real estate. So what are you doing to make that switch from earned income to passive income? What are you doing to get out of the rat race of trading time for dollars? Let me know in the comments below. Please hit subscribe and hit the like button, whether I be on YouTube or on our podcast, because it really helps the algorithms get my message out to people like you. So that's all I've got this week. Check me out on my website at studentofmoney.org, and I'll see you next week right here on Student of Money. That's a wrap. That's all we got. See you next week.